If you would take your Bibles to John chapter 21. Many people, as you come to uh, the Gospel of John, as you're reading through the Gospel of John, you come to the end of chapter 20 and you kind of think like maybe that's going to be it. Many people question why John did not stop there at the end. After all, he had just had the climax of the resurrection. Uh, The disciples have seen Jesus. Thomas uh, sees him. He touches him. He believes and he proclaims uh, those glorious words, my Lord and my God. John says Jesus, then he goes on to say, Jesus did many signs um, and wonders. He did many signs that were seen by the disciples, but these are written, these that I've given you are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. So why not end there on this, this, this great high note? And the truth is there's really still some some unfinished business. As you read through the Gospel of John, there's something that really has to be dealt with before we leave this book, and that is, what about Peter? Peter has done some dumb things. He's put his foot in his mouth multiple times, and the Lord has had to to correct him on several occasions, but probably the greatest failure that we know of his life is the fact that he denied the Lord. Three times he denies the Lord, and then the next time we're going to see him after the, the book of John is in Acts, he's going to preach the great sermon on the day of Pentecost where over 3,000 people are added to the church. He's going to go on and have a great influence on the early church and, and even write portions of scripture. But how did we get there? How did we get here from the time when Peter was denying the Lord and now he's this great preacher? John records that for us, and we'll see it today and next week as we finish up the Gospel of John here in chapter 21. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we do thank you for our church, and I thank you for those that faithfully serve and minister. I thank you for those that, uh, Lord, are just active and involved in, in your ministry through our congregation here. And Lord, what a privilege it is to come into this place and worship with the believers that you've gathered here. And I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to strengthen us, help us to grow spiritually as individuals, spiritually as a congregation. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to continue to reach the world with the gospel. Father, I pray now as we come to this portion of Scripture, Lord, we'd be challenged in our walk with you, and we thank you for the work that you're going to do in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you go back and read uh, the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, Jesus told his disciples at this time to, when he was um, risen, that they were to meet him there in the Galilee region. They're to go there and they're to wait for him. We find that several of his disciples here in John chapter 21 made their way back to Galilee. And and this is the region where many of his disciples were from, even the, the children, the sons of Zebedee. There on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, John here calls it, uh, uses the Roman name for the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. But there on the north side of Israel, you'll find the Sea of Galilee, you'll find the city of Tiberias. And and around the, the north part of Galilee, you find Capernaum. And this was Jesus' headquarters during his earthly ministry when he was there in the north part of Israel. And, and the sons of Zebedee would become his disciples. And, and we learned just last month there's a pillar there in that city that was excavated and found um, in reference to the family of Zebedee from the, from the time of, of Christ. But there, there are several thoughts about Peter and his actions here 
Peter is there, they, they make their way back, and he's there with the disciples, and he says, I'm going fishing. And there are several um, thoughts about Peter and his mindset, his motives here, and um, you, I'm sure you've heard sermons on this passage, and many believe that Peter was turning his back on the work of the Lord and, and going to his old way of living and his own uh, livelihood. Others believe that Peter was waiting for the Lord and, and got a little bored and decided to do something that he loved while he, he waited. I tend to hold the second view there uh, because the truth is nothing in the passage would indicate that Peter was turning his back uh, on the Lord. He left where he was. He went back to Galilee where the Lord told him to go and he was there with the other disciples. He didn't leave them and he was ministering with them, fellowship with, the, with them, spending time with them. And, and he just said, listen, I'm, I'm going to go fishing and uh, there's nothing uh, wrong with, with fishing. Uh, Peter in this passage was a lot like me. I go fishing every once in a while. I don't catch, go catching, I go fishing. And uh, that's what the disciples did uh, there most of the night until the Lord made his way there and they were able to catch the fish. But, but Peter goes back and, and goes fishing. And, and here's the point I want you to understand from this passage. The Bible tells us when he says I'm going fishing, nobody hesitated. The disciples all said, we're going with you. You know, Peter is a strong leader. Despite all of his failures and all of his issues, all of his uh, personality flaws, Peter was a, a strong leader. And for some reason, all of these men were going to follow Peter. Maybe Peter said after they were with the Lord there after his resurrection, hey, I'm going back to Galilee like he told us. And they all said, all right, we're, we're going with you. But we do know we find him there in that region. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they all said, listen, we're going with you. That's another reason I don't think Peter was necessarily turning his back on the work of the Lord because I would imagine some of these guys uh, probably would have fought him on that if that was the case but that's my own speculation there but Peter was a strong leader and the reality is all of us find ourselves in the same boat we all find ourselves as leaders in the community that God has placed us primarily it's within our family we're mothers and we're fathers and we're grandparents and we have great influence in the lives of our children. Can I tell you this today? Every decision that you make impacts your children. Hey, listen, if you decide, hey, we don't want to go to church, guess what? It's going to impact your children. If you say, hey, we're going to go to church, that's what? It's going to impact your children. Hey, what you make, what you prioritize with your money, what you prioritize in your home, that's going to impact your children. Your attitude about spiritual things, it's going to impact your children because you're the leader in the lives of those children. And, and whether we like it or not, it extends even beyond... It extends beyond our family. Now, some people, we look at them and say, wow, wow, they're leaders. Man, that guy, he's a leader of men. That lady, man, she is, she is a leader. And other people, we, we wouldn't necessarily give that, that, that um, title to, but the truth is we're all leaders in our own right, and we all impact other people. Um, you know, I, you heard Charles Barkley years ago, and he said, I don't want to be a role model. And, and the reality, he was a role model. People looked up to him because of the, the position that he had in, um, in, in life and he, in, his, in his persona. He was a leader and he impacted society. And so many do that in our world today. But the truth is you do it, I do it right where, right where I live. And everything we do, everything we say impacts the people around us. And the same was true for Peter. Peter. 
And I believe that Peter was uh, a great leader in his day. And he's going to go on to do great things for the Lord. But there's three things that I want you to see this morning from our passage as we look at this. Number one, Peter is, he's not just a leader, but Peter is a strong leader. In, in verses 1 and 2, Jesus showed himself uh, again to the disciples there at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this wise, he showed himself. There uh, were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. And um, I started questioning John on that. I was reading that this week. I was like, why didn't you tell us who those other two disciples were? I wonder if they read this later on and thought, why didn't you name us? But that's another, another issue for another time. But verse 3 then, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. And so we see right off the bat that, that Peter is a, is a strong leader. I, I believe he's a strong leader by personality. We all know those type of people. Uh, we can, the, their personality just exudes uh, leadership. Um, sometimes they're obnoxious people. We see that in Peter. Um, sometimes they're, uh, they're just vigorous. They're just, you know, they, they're just really big personalities. They walk into a room and like everybody uh, attracts to them. Sometimes they're, they're even quiet people. But yet people see the strength in them. And, and they're just by personality, they're those people that others are, others are willing to, others are willing to, to follow. Can I say right here, we have to be very careful with, with that because it's easy to follow people like that. It's easy to say, well, this guy, this lady, they're, they're a leader. And uh, we need to make sure that we're following leaders that are biblical leaders, that are, that are godly leaders. Just because they have, they're bold, and, and, you know, sometimes in life, the most obnoxious person is the one that people wind up following. And sometimes, and most of the time, they're the ones you don't want to follow. I mean, they're just, they're going to lead you down a path of destruction um, that you, and you don't want to go down that path. But because uh, they're the loudest one around, that's not necessarily the best leader. But by personality, I believe um, Peter was a great leader and we've seen that throughout his life. He's always the first one uh, to speak up and to be bold, uh, even for the Lord. Listen, he made a lot of mistakes, but he had good motives a lot of times. But he, by personality, he would, just, he would just put himself out there. And sometimes we don't get things done because we don't want to put ourselves out there. Uh, that was not Peter's issue. Peter was willing to, to put himself out there even if, it, even if it got him in trouble. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I tell people all the time, one of my, I think one of my great traits of my life is that I'm not afraid to fail. And so I'm willing to try some things. I'm willing to do some things. And, and I know that if I do enough things, I'm going to fail uh, at something. That's just the reality of life and, and decisions that we make in our humanness. That's going to happen. But if I never fail, it probably means I've never accomplished anything either. And so by personality, Peter was not willing to just sit back and, and let things just go and like it the way it is and be satisfied and content where we are. He was very, very bold in his personality. He was also, I believe, a strong leader by position in the group. Peter was always the one in the forefront. Peter was always the one that was, that was outspoken. Peter was always the one that, that I, I believe everybody looked to. Why? Peter says, I'm going fishing, right? Peter says, I'm going fishing. And if Peter wasn't the strong leader in the group in that position, the other guys would probably say, we, we don't want to go fishing. We're just going to sit here and wait. We're going to sit here and wait for the Lord. We're just going to wait to do or wait and see, see God. And then finally, Peter was a strong leader by action. I've already mentioned it. Peter was willing just to do. Peter was willing to do. 
sometimes we're so afraid of the results that we're not willing to, to do something. We're so, we get content uh, where we are. And that wasn't Peter. Peter was willing to get out there and put himself out there. And really, listen, we need, we need strong leaders in our society today. Uh, you know, we see in, in the political arena, who, who are the leaders out there in our political world? They're the, sometimes they're the loudest people. Uh, you know, so for me, um, you know, I think one of the most presidential people out there today is Mike Pence. But he's the most presidential by character and by wisdom. But guess what? You never hear from him, do you? People think some of these other presidents are obnoxious. They do mean tweets and those type of things and all that type of stuff. And, but they're out there and they're loud and they're, you know, pushing themselves forward and, and constantly in, in the news and a lot of people on both sides of the aisle and right, wrong, or indifferent, they, they're putting themselves out there through social media and through news uh, circles. And a lot of stuff they put out there is bad, but they're out there. And so the world sees them and says, wow, look at how bold they are. And they must, they must be a great leader. And they're terrible leaders, but they've put themselves, they put themselves out there. And so often we see that, we, you know, others that really are strong leaders just you know, that they have character traits where they just sit back. Hey, we, have to, we have to do something. We have to be involved in ministry and work and, and serve. Sometimes you're a natural leader by personality. Sometimes you're given that leadership position by title, by, by position. But all of us can be leaders in action and serving and, and doing and being involved in ministering and that's where I think probably the greatest trait that Peter had was he was simply willing to go and to do and, and, to, and to be out there uh, in, the, in the forefront. And, um, and so we see Peter, number one, is, is a strong leader. As we move into verses four through six, we see the, secondly that, that Peter, though he was a strong leader, had to trust and others, particularly, will have to trust in, in the Lord. Look at verse 4. Well, verse 3 tells at the end, they caught nothing. Now, these are professional fishermen, and they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciple knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and he and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of, of the fish. Now, we see that we understand from Scripture that Peter was an expert when it comes to, to fishing. But I want you to also see that he was willing to set his pride aside and cast the net on the other side of the ship. Now, at first glance, we see that Peter doesn't know that it's the Lord that's the one doing it. So Peter was willing to just try something, something different. M most of us would be like, listen, hey, listen, buddy, I know what I'm doing, okay? I, I don't need to hear your opinion. I don't need to hear your viewpoint. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And you know what you're, what you're doing is getting you? Nothing. You're accomplishing Nothing. And a lot of times that's where we are in our pride because we're not willing to listen to somebody else. We're not willing to set ourselves aside and we're going to do it our way no matter what. And so we get nothing, we accomplish nothing. But the Bible tells us that they took the net and cast it to the other side. 
Sometimes what we think is best actually is the worst thing that we could do. They could have sat there and kept fishing and not caught, caught anything. We need to seek godly wisdom from the Lord and from those that he's placed in our lives. And so Peter was willing to trust somebody else. But ultimately, what was he doing? He was trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. You know, I, I learned a long time ago, I can accomplish, you know, so much just so much in my life, in my physical uh, attributes and talents and abilities. There's some things that I can accomplish, but guess what? There's a cap on that. There's a cap on what we can accomplish as, as a collective group, as a church. And so we can't trust in ourselves and, and lean on our own understanding, but we have to be willing to, to trust in the Lord. If we're going to accomplish the, the things that God wants us to accomplish, if we're going to do the work that God wants us to do, and sometimes trusting in the Lord is simply just trusting other people. I, I know I'm not, an, I'm not an expert in really anything. I always tell people I'm not an expert in much, and that's just giving, giving myself way too much credit. I'm not, I'm not an expert really in anything. And I've learned a long time ago, there's always somebody better. There's always somebody more knowledgeable. And so my two greatest attributes, number one is, I'm willing to listen to other people. But number two, I'm a great delegator. Amazing delegator. That's why things get accomplished. And because, uh, I, I, I mean, there's people to delegate to and I'm, I'm, I'm just great at it. But I've learned a long time ago that I need help in every aspect of my life. And the, the greatest help I need comes from the Lord himself. And here these guys are, they're experts. And listen, they're probably better at fishing than you are at whatever you do in life. And this has been their livelihood and their life. And they've been doing it all night. And, and somebody on the shore says, hey, cast the net on the other side. And they took out the net and they cast it on the other side. And there were so many fish in it that the net could not be able to, to be drawn in. They could not be drawn in. Peter had to trust, trust in the Lord. That means he had to, to get over himself and put himself aside and allow somebody else to give him direction and, and to help him in this area. Listen, pride is probably one of the greatest destructive aspects of our life. Your pride will destroy your home. It'll destroy your marriage. Your pride will destroy a church. It'll destroy any relationship that you have. If you're so stuck on yourself... Ultimately, it's going to hinder your relationship. It, it might not break that relationship up totally, but it's going to hinder that relationship. And it's not going to allow you to, 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 to accomplish what you need to or be the strongest marriage or be the strongest family or be the strongest church if your pride is at the forefront of your life and at the center of your life and that's your priority. And Peter was able to do something that he should have been able to do on any, any given day catch fish and the, the guy on the side said hey why don't you cast it on the other side and because he was willing simply just to to listen it's not that big of a deal he just listened he took the net out and threw it to the other side sometimes that's the easiest thing for us if we would just hey just listen just just do it just do it a different way and then number three and probably the one of the most important aspects really of, of being a leader for the Lord today is Peter must fellowship with the Lord. In verse number seven, it says, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, speaking of John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. 
Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat about him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And for there all there were so many, yet was the, not, the net broken. Not the net broken, excuse me. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. None of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. When John says to Peter, hey, you know who it is? It's the Lord. Peter dove into the water because he had a desire to be with the Lord. He had a desire to be in the presence of the Lord. And the other disciples made their way to come and, and to, pe- to be with the Lord. And then this is what Jesus says to them. Come. The picture is one of, of rest. Anytime we come to Jesus, it's a picture of what? Rest. You see, his yoke is easy. His yoke is is light. He says, come unto me and and rest. There's this idea of fellowship with with God. You know, you say, well, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to to really worship God. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to to sing. I I got so much going on. It's the same thing as your body saying, I don't have time to rest. Now, I don't know about you, but... Um, I know some of you probably can last four hours of sleep a night. Some of you maybe is six hours. I think I need like 16 a night or something like that to make it through the day. Um, no, but like if I go, like let's say I go two days, like two days where I only get four hours of sleep. Like I'm miserable. My body's ready to, to shut down. Some of you, like I've been going on four hours of sleep for 20 years. What are you talking about? And, um, but you know, but the truth is if you don't sleep, guess what happens? You can't think, you get irritable, some of you need to get some rest. Um, You can't function, you can't do, you're not alert, and you think, well, I I have work to do, I have to accomplish this, And, and guess what, you're accomplishing less because you're not getting rest physically. And the same thing is true spiritually. If you don't come to the Lord and rest, you're not gonna accomplish much for him at all. I know in my own life, when I'm not spending time with the Lord, I get frustrated in ministry. The burdens of life weigh me down, and and I get tired, and and I, I become irritable myself. And Jesus says to his disciples, hey, come. Just come have a seat. We sang the... The song, I love singing the songs when it talks about sitting around the table of the Lord. It's one of my, the most beautiful pictures in, in some of our modern songs today. Sitting around the table with the Lord. You know, we take that for granted. We try to eat with our kids on, you know, at dinner time at night and just sit around the table, you know, with our kids and make that a priority in, in our family and, um, and everything. And just having that time together. And, you know, sometimes they're, they're complaining, sometimes they're telling me about their day, sometimes they're telling me nonsense and, or whatever it is. But listen, it's just peaceful to be there, hearing their voices, just sitting there, just with them, being, being together. And the idea here, Peter needed that, that fellowship with the Lord. He desired it. And so Jesus tells him, come 
and dying. So it's a picture of rest, but it's also a picture of one of fulfillment and satisfaction. Fulfillment and satisfaction. And that's what they, that's what they received from their time and their relationship with, with the Lord. People say all the time, you know, I, I don't go to that church anymore because I don't get anything from it. Like, I don't really get anything from the, you know, the, the service or the, the, the preaching or the singing or whatever. And, and the truth is, if the word of God is going forth, then I, I'm willing to bet it's on you, not the preaching. And no matter how boring the preacher is or no matter what the style of music is, if the word of God is going forth, the issue oftentimes is, is our, our heart. We come in, we're, we're consumed with life. We come in, we already have a, a preconceived idea. We're not going to like it. We're not happy with it. We're going to grumble. And we, so we come in and, and, and there's no satisfaction or fulfillment because there's no rest. There's no, there's no worship. Jesus tells his disciples, come and dine. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. God had a plan to reach the world with, with the gospel. And it was going to start with, with these men. Peter was getting ready to go on and do great things for the Lord, but there was still need for that, that preparation, the preparation time. And the truth is many people in the church are just like Peter. They run their mouth when they don't know what's going on. They put their foot in their mouth. They make comments that they shouldn't make. They do things impulsively. They make bold claims they can't back up. They bristle against other people. They step out and do things that the Lord wouldn't want them to do. But yet in Peter's life, we see from his great failure of denying the Lord, this time of fellowship with, with God, this time of continued training with the Lord, and these lessons that Peter learned. He learned simply to trust the Lord and fellowship with him, even in the mundane aspects of life. Hey, come, come and dine. I don't know what kind of leader you are, but you are a leader. And I wanna encourage you with this. As a leader, you need to trust God. You need to trust the Lord. You, you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. And we need to go to the Lord. And be willing to trust him, realizing that sometimes he brings other people, sometimes he uses his word, but we simply need to trust the Lord in godly wisdom. And then we need to have that time of fellowship with him, that rest, that come and dine moments of our life where we are resting and we're being fulfilled and satisfied by the Lord. Listen, if we do that, we'll go on and we'll do great things for the Lord. We all know it's true. When there's turmoil, when there's turmoil, nothing gets accomplished in, in any environment. When there's turmoil in your home, in the church, in, in the school, in, at your job, when there's turmoil, very little gets accomplished, if anything. But listen, when everybody's getting along and there's peace and contentment, things seem to just go a lot, a lot more smooth. As a believer in Jesus Christ, our life is consumed with turmoil all around us. And so Jesus says to us, come, come and dine. As the strongest leader, there's very little we can accomplish without the Lord. And we need to make sure we're trusting in him 
and we're spending that time with him so that we can be the best leader. These are the guys that are gonna go on and what does the Bible say? They turn the world upside down. And I believe it started right here. It started right here when they realized, listen, they realized who Jesus was and everything he said was true. And they began to trust in him and they spent those moments with Jesus being refreshed, being fulfilled, ready for the work of God, ready to serve him.